So, welcome, fellow hackers, scientists, artists, philosophers, and free thinkers. I'm very glad you had time, you came to this place, you joined us in this session, found this space time, and I invite you to tune your synaptic pathways and let us show you the latest in human and machine interaction with the example of brain-computer interfaces, open-source brain-computer interfaces. So these are systems where you connect your mind directly to a machine, and we all know this from sci-fi movies or literature, but now it's possible to, with electrodes to put it on, the, on, your, on your head, basically, and uh, with today's it's simple technology called EEG, in, uh, in our simple case, because uh, in, at home you cannot have like a big fMRI machine, we use EEG. And this technology is well known in medical and psychology areas for 80 years. Just what now is possible to make it miniaturized, like what I'm currently wearing, is a wireless neuro headset. It has active tri electrodes on the forehead, where they think the consciousness is vibrating. And uh, now it's, it's feasible. It used to be possible a long time. The hippies did it, and the military did it. And, measuring the brain waves, the electroencephalogram, but now it's, it's possible to miniaturize it. And uh, for example, simply, I was going to check the brain waves while I'm talking and send them via Wi-Fi uh, on another beamer. And so, so it's a new area because now everybody can do it. It's no longer uh, necessary to have a big lab and an expensive machine. We are introducing with this talk the, the Brainduino. It's a device which you can build for a little less than $100. And it's a low-noise, high-quality brainwave amplifier that uh, sends you basically a Bluetooth or Wi-Fi signal that you can open with any programming language. And because of this new technology, now this becomes possible for basically everyone who wants to do it to use this technology. And uh, that's why we put so much energy into having open-source technology available and a low-entry barrier. So I tried to, for you, tried for you, find the world's best experts in this topic. Um, I myself uh, have come to this uh, Chaos Congress 15 years ago and was introduced uh, to some new ways of thinking. And uh, since then, basically, yeah, worked on this project and then traveled the world to find other people who, who know about this. And uh, so, yeah, I'm Dr. Metamind Evolution is my stage name. It's a Metamind Evolution, so it's the, the, the you know meta level. You, you think about something from uh, outside of the system and look at the system, like meta communication, talking about how we communicate, uh, basically looking at the mind from the meta perspective, and giving this to everybody. And so the evolution of the meta mind um, is this project name. And then the first place, person to, who came to me, uh, who wanted to work together. Um, was uh, Neurofox, and then uh, also Masahiro Kahata. Um, I met him in San Francisco. He, he worked on it uh, before I was born. He worked on it like for 30 or 40 years. He will tell you later about the, the history. And basically, I believe these people on stage here in, in the world of uh, open source, in the world of hacking, outside of military, outside of medical places, uh, are, are the world's best team here for you to now uh, introduce you to, to this technology. So. First, I'm going to give you a small overview and maybe some motivation, um, what you can do with this technology. Then uh, Konrad Willi Döring, uh, I like to call him Neurofox, will tell you about also the mind hacking aspects and uh, the science, science uh, aspects. And then, as I like to call him, um, Professor Kahata, <laughs> you know, because he's the old wise guy, 
he, he will actually tell you about the hardware, about the brain Duino, how it works, the amplifier, and what I even like more is because he has been there since the beginning. Uh, he, he knows what it was like. Uh, you know, he built the first brainwave amplifier before there were uh, any digital computers. So he actually connected uh, uh, an amplifier to an oscilloscope and looked at these brainwaves on an oscilloscope screen. And when the first personal commuter was available, he, he did it. So basically, he, he has a lot of experience. And I think it's very interesting to share the early perspective when it was not well known, this technology, and uh, basically the early days of, of brainwave technology. But they, yeah, you can look forward to their parts as well. So um, just a quick overview. What we are basically doing with, with those neuro headsets, as, as people call them now, is uh, measuring the brain activity. And it, it comes from those clusters, clusters of neurons. We have like uh, uh, millions, billions of it. And uh, they, they generate electromagnetic fields, which eventually uh, result in small charges, small voltage differences on the scalp to appear. And we pick this up with silver electrodes and amplify it 25,000 times, and then send it over Bluetooth. And so it's mostly large-scale dynamics. No, <laughs> mostly large-scale dynamics, so we cannot pick up individual thoughts or ind individual neurons, just collectives, like maybe 50,000 neurons, when, they, when they're firing together, then we get a small spike. So basically it's very abstract, zoomed out, uh, thing. We cannot detect any individual brains with this technology. The military, they can actually put an antenna uh, to your head from distance and see the shapes. What, what are you visualizing currently? If you're dreaming, somebody can put an antenna to your head and see in black and white uh, the, the shape outline of, of the person you see. But not with the EEG. With EEG, we get the event-related potentials and general oscillatory processes collectively. So, so if there are neurons collectively firing. So it's more like the background, general operating mode of the brain, left and right brain. So are you sleeping, dreaming, highly focused, relaxed? Um, that's what we can detect. And then various patterns arise uh, and the, at the individual electrodes, but also how they relate to each other. So the general different things used to be categorized in different frequencies, delta, theta, alpha waves. What is really interesting now with this new technology because there's always, always so much noise. If you have any noise in your environment, uh, even high frequency, you get harmonics, and they, they make your signal clip. You know, we are picking up individual neurons, so, so its biggest challenge is all this noise, reducing the noise. So it, it, wasn't, it, it wasn't possible to go up in high, beyond 50 hertz because of the power noise of the trans, transformers everywhere. So, but now we can measure up to 200 hertz, so the, it used to be unknown to science, the, the gamma and lambda waves, and the, they are for, you know, exotic states. But I, I guess, you know, this is basics. Uh, let's, let's keep going. Of course, it's different, you know, which area of the brain you put the electrodes. If you want to control things, you, you, you put them on the motor cortex, where your whole body is mapped. So then it's possible to uh, imagine you make a fist with your left hand, and now in, on this area there will be a signal coming. And uh, on the right side as well. And they have done this with chimpanzees doing joysticks and getting uh, sugar water. And eventually the chimpanzee stops using a joystick. He just imagines doing a movement. And that's how you can do... Um, then you would put it to the, to the motor cortex. But we are mostly interested for artistic purpose and meditation, the frontal cortex, the, the youngest area of the brain with <laughs> these patterns that arise there. Um, 
So then, the motivation, yeah, why is this interesting? Of course, you have the, the medical use, uh, if you have depression, autism, HDD. I like to say our system simply harmonizes the brain activity, different electrodes rewards you when, when you have more synchronicity in the brain. It's complex mathematical formulas, coherence things, but whenever your brain is more syn synchronous, it rewards you. So they basically, I think it basically heals any, you know, I, I used to have very, most people have in their brain waves some, some gaps. And uh, basically this can unlock all your brain to, 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 to vibrate in all kinds of frequencies and to vibrate more synchro synchronously. And as a, as a first thing, of course, you can, you can improve uh, different brain waves where you're locked into something like depression. When you cannot get out of a mental state, you can use the neurofeedback, the live visualization of your brain to reward you whenever you go into a direction that is out of the state. And so I believe, and you know, some papers say you can cure autism, HDD, depression, but basically it goes beyond that. You can do self-improvement, you can, you can reprogram mental patterns because of the real-time thing. You look at your brain oscillating on the screen, you hear the sound in real time, then you can start playing around with things and you notice how it changes. It's like surfing, surfing through your own mind. And thereby you can adjust things. And, and eventually people after five minutes, when they, do, uh, when they try our system, which is possible, later you can come to, to the Neuro Village Mind Hackers launch and try this by yourself. You will realize after a few minutes how you can simply use this new muscle in your mind. The, the Vedic people call it chakras or whatever. You have stuff in your mind you, uh, you can do. And if you have the real-time thing, individual empowerment and enhanced interactive society because people interact differently. I guess you can read it yourself. Art, music, um, uh, games are very interesting. I really like the neurofeedback meditation thing because you can change your consciousness. You can say, I want 12 hertz in the right brain, seven in the left. And, you know, that's the whole thing with the open source. Uh, there will be the pharmacy industry, there will be Microsoft, Google, everybody, people will be coming and say, you wear those neuro headsets and we will improve your mind. You, you can, you can fly through virtual reality, but they will kind of tell you, use our closed product. Uh, and uh, we have done the research. We are experts and uh, just uh, look at the screen and uh, your mind will improve. But I, I, I say, I say to you, um, decide for yourself what frequencies and uh, what brain activity you want to increase in your mind. And uh, that's why you, you know, I recommend using open source software. Then you can simply say, Okay, today I want to try maybe 50 hertz in my right brain or 42 hertz in the left brain and the visual cortex should be uh, at this 7% and then just try this and you, know, you can research yourself what you can decide for yourself what brainwave activity you want to amplify in your brain instead of uh, you know, getting, getting whatever other people think your brain should be like and this, this freedom, that's basically what, what we fight for. Um, so definitely there are dark sides to it, uh, you know. Uh, the mind hacking, uh, there is mind hacking going on all the time uh, in the media and the, the brainwashing. But with this, it's really crazy. It's actually possible. Uh, there are there's, uh, there are companies like Emotive. Uh, more and more young people wear those neuro headsets, not self-built like this one, but commercial plastic devices. They wear them for extended time and they, they do World of Warcraft. They, they do casual gaming and wear them all the time. And it's possible to hack into those Windows machines remotely and uh, change the OpenGL driver and, for example, display... Uh, for a short amount of times, certain numbers and a symbol, for example, the symbol of a cash machine, just for a few milliseconds while they're playing a game, and then uh, display certain numbers. And there's something in the brain, uh, P300, event-correlated potential, that basically checks all the time, oh, I recognize this, or ah, it makes sense, or I have seen this before, or what, what the fuck what is this? And it's always going true and false, true and false, whenever you get a stimuli. And basically, you can start data mining the, the, the brain while somebody is playing a game. They're completely unaware. You show them certain symbols hidden in the game or just for individual frames. 
and then certain numbers, and their brain will react and say, yeah, that's, that's the first pin, yeah, that's the second pin, that's my password. And you try brute forcing different numbers, and the brain will tell you, yeah, that's the password, that's my bank account. And if some of people of you were wearing a brain interface now, I could actually do this while I do the presentation. Uh, insert some small information in this, and then at the end, uh, pick out people and say, your birth date, uh, your pin number, your password. But uh, it's enough to make you aware of this. And so, so that's really scary, you know. People, uh, when they don't know, they wear those headsets, and somebody is actually data mining your brain and, you know, picking out information. And uh, remotely, you know, if somebody is in front of you, they can hypnotize you, whatever, but remotely, in a massive scale, that would be possible. For example, you do World of Warcraft, the new, the new plug-in, uh, or Facebook, the new plug-in, you, you share your brainwave with your friends, and they upload, upload. <laughs> it's, it sounds nice, you know, but uh, in all those quantified self-apps, you, you actually need three times to press cancel to disable the auto-backup function. So you, there's, there's an app for checking your pulse, for checking your breath, and you need to disable three times to press cancel so it's not backupping your data, basically sending your heartbeat and your brainwaves to their server, and uh, you can do certain machine learning things, and uh, you just... It becomes possible on a massive scale to, to surveil the, the dreams and minds and, and then to decide, like in America, in some prisons, if you want to get out early, they check your brainwaves and they say, uh, you have unusual brainwaves, you cannot go out. Your brainwaves are normal, okay, go out in, in society. And, and then, you know, this danger you should be aware of. Um, for example, they, they can also do, yeah, they can also do the calibration thing. Like um, data mining the subconscious, the, the neuromarketing, some people like to call it. So they, they show you advertisements, they show you pictures, and they, they check how your brain reacts. So what, what you can do is um, see, see, for example, the, the excitement, attention, and mental openness someone is currently experiencing. So, for example, you see on this person at 5 a.m., whenever they are in the game at this point, their mind is very open, or they are, they are very excited. And then you show them the advertisement, <laughs> and basically that's like uh, brainwashing... Um, so much more powerful, and then you sh should watch out for this. So that's why we later will, will propose an open source firewall for brain interfaces that does intrusion detection um, to basically check if somebody is mining your brain and then block their IP, at least this, you know. Uh, the, the, the firewall is quite tricky. You cannot simply check, say, uh, the bandpass filter. You don't allow the 20 hertz brainwaves. It's more complex. You have complex patterns to, to make a classifier for brainwaves. It's a non-trivial project. Once we have the classifier, we can do something like net filter or IP tables, have brain tables, but before this classifier is uh, available, we can do intrusion detection. For example, if this P300 happens unusually often while you are uh, flying around in space in the game, uh, the, the, the system could check, okay, the, why is there so much P300 going true or false? Somebody might be uh, data mining your brain, block the connection for some time. That's, you know, I, I recommend installing this, those applications if you do uh, neurogaming. Because people can do this. Also, they can induce sensory hallucinations. They, they can make a screen flickering and at the same time check when your brain is aligned to this, and then this will be more effective. Emotional manipulation, the event-correlated per perception filter adjustment. Yeah, basically, it's brainwashing. <clears throat> and, you know, big marketing companies, maybe, you know, this guy, <laughs> they, they are going to do it, and, which is fine. But then if we have open-source alternatives, I think it can be useful. Uh, yeah, that's the thing with the firewall. Uh, you do the event correlated potentials, dynamic time fingerprints. So uh, yeah, if it's you know if there's like somebody port scanning, port scanning you, you can see okay there are different ports checked in a certain time interval, maybe uh, randomized or not. If that happens in your brain, somebody is mining the event correlated potentials, there will be red flags. Later, the, the data abstraction signal feature, encapsulation filtering, and then yeah. Um, 
I want to invite you to think about this. What would be a, a consumer BCI freedom manifesto? So what are, what are safety guidelines what we should be aware of when we construct this technology? For example, some of you might be joining Google, Mac, or Apple, or Facebook, and actually program those systems in the future, that, that, you know, do those brain interfaces. And then maybe you, you can think about those issues. Uh, what are the, the personal rights, the cognitive personal rights? You know, the Gedanken sind frei. Those things are maybe important. Maybe, you know, it should be preserved, this individual right that nobody enters your mind. And maybe there should be an on and off switch on every device that has this, that actually physically allows you to switch it on and off. And those things, personal home use safety, if it's used in a medical context, what is important? Let's collectively think about this and uh, define this uh, as a safety thing. So how does it actually look like? Just uh, how does it actually work? It's basically silver electrodes, noise filtering, uh, Amplifiers, operational amplifiers, analog digital conversion. Then a microcontroller, then the Bluetooth thing. Uh, it's basically like a sound card, uh, you know, a high quality sound card for low frequencies. So it's very linear. So the, the, the hardware side is kind of trivial. It's more like a sound card for, yeah, for low frequencies. And that's how one visualization can look like. You have the left and right brain. You have all kinds of indicators for, for relaxation, focus, and so on. And what you can do, yeah, eventually, you, you know, The medical people, they usually look at the raw signal. But then at least, you know, Fourier transformation, certain machine learning stuff can be interesting. And, uh, yeah. and uh, especially in the machine learning will be a big topic. Um, you can do all kinds of, if you have many electrodes or if you have multiple people, like I'd, ideally I'd give out 20 headsets to you now and say, try this and we, we would be machine learning uh, or you know, rewarding ourselves if their brainwaves are similar. Different machine learning things you can do. Important, I think, is uh, that you, with most machine learning algorithms, it, it makes sense to first do some kind of feature extraction. Don't feed the raw brainwave signal into the machine learning. First do a feature extraction. For example, check what is the alpha, what, what is the magnitude of an alpha spike. Or, you know, try to abstract it into some features. For example, ah, there was an alpha spike, true and false. Or how much percentage of alpha was it? Um, And uh, that's, that's how a framework could look like to, to process those brainwaves. And yeah, now um, I guess uh, I give over to Neurofox, who will tell you more about uh, how this uh, works in detail. So <laughs> I'm glad ah. that you are here. Thank you And, very much. Um, I give the microphone to you. All right. Uh, can I have the presentation? Okay. All right. Uh, hello, everybody. Um, so I guess already the time's a little bit running. So I'll just um, try to focus on the most uh, important aspects. Um, so, uh, yeah, I want to talk about uh, exploiting brain-computer interfaces, which sounds maybe a little bit uh, uh, like I'm in the rush, because I think it would take at least maybe 10 years, or let's say in the, in the next decade, uh, we will have um, more brain-computer interfaces in mainstream. But um, so I th still think it's important to now think about it, and that's why also I think it makes sense at this uh, congress to speak about it. And so, um, as uh, Metamind already did a lot of um, introduction to this topic, maybe I just want to focus on the methods um, where I did some research. And uh, so, basically, of course, um, there's new applications with a new technology coming up. And uh, we had the first neuro gaming conference in San Francisco this year. I think this is quite amazing. Um, and yeah, uh, very much um, applications actually. And so, but there, those ones are proposed methods which sort of um, 
yeah, concern uh, security and privacy uh, of, of uh, the user, actually. And I think, um, so one, one of the most striking ones is the neuromarketing. I think it can also be misused if uh, we find ways, actually, um, to look how uh, somebody thinks about certain commercial, and if this data somehow leaks out, I don't know if that's a good idea, then, um, yeah, also then there's been a lot of talk, uh, a lot of, um, yeah, publications uh, coming up about EEG-based biometrics, and it's actually rising the last years. Um, you can see that by the number of publications, and uh, was uh, quite striking, I think, and it's also just um, as a security measure fused with other kinds of biometrics. Uh, biometrics, again, it's like, you know, I guess everybody knows here, like fingerprints, for instance, but the same with brainwave data, actually. And so, and also EEG-based pin generator. Um, I would just scoop up a little bit. Uh, Okay, so uh, the, the yeah the methods. So to say, um, I think the the most um, striking ones I found so far was actually gathering some information about your health condition. And I think this is quite um, uh, well, not to say shocking, I say, but um, somehow could be um, strange. And then also um, there was this uh, publication. Maybe some of you read it. Uh, came out in 2012 about. Uh, uh, side channel attacks and uh, the use with a consumer uh, BCI emotive, and where they um, said they would uh, lower the entropy of the information by almost 40%. And uh, in order to, for instance, uh, find out a little bit or uh, find out the pin code or locations and uh, known people. And then what I say is uh, also um, possibly to some extent uh, there might be identity theft possible. I'd say this. Um, Maybe because it depends, of course, on the system how sophisticated it is. But let's say for the uh, for the less sophisticated systems, it would be definitely possible. And so um, the first thing about uh, health, actually, uh, yeah, getting information about your health. Um, basically, the, um, there's this uh, there's like, for instance, normative databases, uh, which is uh, quite public, uh, uh, popular in in, uh, in medical. Uh, in the medical scope, and you do lots of EG recordings for a lot of people, and you can sort them by age, uh, gender, and uh, and then you also have, uh, for instance, healthy people, and then you have um, some sort of, for instance, neurological disorders, and you're able to make an um, estimation, compare the user's brainwave with this database, and say, oh, okay, so he must be somewhere in the 30s maybe, and has this kind of disorder and um, okay, maybe we'll not take him for this job, something like that, for instance. Um, I mean, you, the ideas are free here. And okay, so then the knowledge, this is uh, what I already um, said about. Uh, this is, uh, again, the P300, uh, Metamind already talked about it. Um, just very quick, I guess. Uh, um, yeah, so it's, a, it, I would just say this is attention-driven um, reaction to uh, something that you see or something that you hear. It. The uh, interesting thing, uh, the, the stimulus there, is, it doesn't matter which kind of stimulus, um, but we have uh, targets and non-targets. That's how we divide. And for instance, you see a lot of, uh, some user sees a lot of pictures of people and he doesn't know them at all, but at some point there's somebody he knows and we have the P300, for instance, that is because it's striking to him. He knows this guy and what is he doing in this collection of pictures, for instance. And uh, so this is basically what... Uh, Martinovich and his uh, colleagues did uh, from uh, was it the University of Oxford and UC Berkeley and uh, Geneva. Um, so they had some kind of calibration, and um, what they did then, as I said, the 
um, that could simplify the way to achieve private information. And I found this quite striking. I mean, it's lab situation, and so everything is perfect, but imagine uh, also, of course, with the advance of machine learning algorithms, you could somehow make it more easy, actually, to get there and um, do it even on consumer devices. So, and I mean, that was also his point. And then, um, so the last thing, I'll just make it quick, uh, um, time's running out, is um, biometrics. Uh, um, as I said already, it's like, um, there's a lot of research right now going on there, and uh, different approaches to this. Um, and as I said, I made this uh, differentiation between, so to say, um, I wouldn't say primitive, but more easy approaches where you just take frequent uh, or, or um, um, certain frequency ranges or find out the individual alpha peak and um, and uh, they claim, for instance, um, this is a very old publication, but it's still going on, that um, they claim that they have very high uh, accuracy rates here and other ones are also based on the P300 uh, where you see, um, they show you certain animations or pictures and uh, then just measure what's going on. Um, how the reaction really looks, and so then, okay, uh, the simple method, I think it's it's quite possible if you gather some data from some user and you just look at some frequency range, for instance, of course, in resting state, or if, if he doesn't do anything, or he's doing some sort of test, that's usually what you do if you want to uh, do some uh, quantified uh, um, statistics, for instance, or, um, and then, I think there's a way actually to uh, generate this from the samples you get. Um, the more advanced one is, uh, I guess, uh, well, yeah, it involves a lot of machine learning and, and you would have, uh, for instance, maybe some inspiration from dynamic causal modeling and uh, you try to actually model some cognitive processes, for instance, something with saliency, something you see on the display and then you would uh, simulate actually the P300. Um, I think it's a lot of work, but I think it can be done actually to some extent. Not completely, of course. We're not uh, half the way there uh, with brain sim um, simulation also. Um, but okay, so just uh, an overview again, the three techniques. And um, of course, uh, I'm, I will also be there at the Neuro Village or Seabase uh, to um, also talk about this in detail. And uh, so I will skip this part. Um, this is um, just, I'm showing you the, the ranges of attack that are possible, um, at which point you actually would uh, put some malware or some bad software. Um, I think there are different uh, ways possible, and this is the most uh, sophisticated audience for thinking about creative ways to attack here. Um, so <laughs> um, I think it's okay if I leave you with that. And uh, so then I would just uh, run through this. This is the device that have, um, came out, and I will just put the slide online. Um, okay, all right. I think it's okay, I'll just stay here. Um, so, and then, I will just skip this, and then, yeah, so this is the call for precipitation uh, part, actually, where just, uh, yeah, actually uh, gather people for, uh, think about actually neurosecurity, just, uh, I guess, I don't know if it's a new phrase, but just put it like that, um, because, as I said, I think, Maybe it sounds a little bit early, but I still think it's possible. Uh, it, it should be considered at this point already, um, because a lot of things are working on the cloud and uh, with your brainwave data. And uh, yeah, 
<laughs> then okay maybe yeah, <laughs> I don't, we should just go to I'm sorry <laughs> thanks now uh, switch to the to the Mac um, let's hear what Professor Carter says about this <laughs> and switch Hello? to his machine if it's possible that's the Mac connection line mm -hmm. Hello. So okay. So thank you for coming, and uh, I, <coughs> I like to show a brain doing. <laughs> oh. So currently, I'm connecting a brain interface from here. Then uh, shows like like this way. So uh, this is my uh, raw data, left brain and, and uh, right brain wave. Then translate to the uh, spectrum array, like this way. And we're directly into the microphone. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> then control uh, this animation currently. So I like to um, just show, like to show how I develop, uh, yeah, okay. So I, I start to use uh, analog amplifier uh, before, uh, before CPU start in 1972. And um, uh, when uh, starting microcomputer, I was so exciting to you can do so many things with uh, microprocessing. So I designed like this way. That's uh, pretty complicated. <laughs> so uh, a lot of assembly programming at the time. And um, so like Apple II is a pretty nice. You can use basic or you know, whatever. But otherwise, so difficult to programming at the time. Uh, then, uh, 1983, 1984, uh, Lisa and Macintosh starting. So, uh, using, uh, object Pascal and uh, Ada and C, uh, using Unix system also. So I, <coughs> I did a special experience to, to, to drawing some image, uh, using a uh, brain web. So this is the beginning of the uh, brain computer interface for my experience. The, uh, uh, this is a diagram for how I control mouse with a uh, brain web. It's a, uh, just I, <coughs> I like to show its idea. It's not, now really cannot see anything, but uh, it's a, some uh, pattern recognition uh, function included for how we can uh, switch mouse uh, with uh, brain web. So uh, these are uh, actual drawing with it, uh, use uh, brain web that Maybe time. Explain the visual, so it's only three minutes left. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, then, uh, so uh, I, I designed a 12 channel, uh, tw uh, 12 bit uh, uh, brain web visualization in uh, 1985. So, yeah, thank you. So, uh, that time, no machine uh, existing like that way. So, only <laughs> like pen, pen recording on the uh, paper. So, <laughs> so, 
or maybe go like MC, okay. like sideways. Uh, okay, yeah. So that time, our machine was so big and uh, uh, so expensive anyway. <laughs> so those were uh, I designed for the uh, <coughs> brand web interface at that time. Then uh, I started to ship uh, 23 years ago for a uh, brand interface for uh, Macintosh. So this is a brochure at the time, and this is a device at the time. <laughs> so we did uh, many experiences with many people. So, yeah, this is a, yeah, just a <coughs> current application, how it looks like. So, um, <laughs> Left and right brain. Yeah. I hope. <laughs> okay, yeah. So it shows uh, left brain here and right brain web here. It shows over time. So, okay. Then uh, we, can, <coughs> no, we can get uh, which frequency is uh, dominant and how much power we have from left brain or right brain. And uh, use uh, this information you know, we can translate to the uh, like these numbers. And we can, <coughs> in this case, no, we uh, transmit by uh, UDP, same no, as an uh, animation application or no, sound, sound application can get this information. So, <laughs> so this is a, a, a real time currently no, to control this animation, actually. Okay. So we can uh, we can um, we can do so many interesting stuff like this way. Hello, hello. Yeah. So basically, the idea is you, you have left and right brain, and you analyze the different patterns and you analyze the frequencies, and from then you generate various ani animations. The idea is you have a, the conscious uh, display. You, you can see certain frequencies. Fourier transforms. That's for your conscious part. Your brain sees okay, this frequency is active. But if you want to do neurofeedback things, it also makes sense to have subconscious. Uh, displays where you're not really knowing what's going on, but your brain in your, in your subconscious will notice, oh, okay, maybe this uh, reflecting object changes diameter whenever I'm thinking of somebody, uh, someone I like, or whenever I'm thinking of my internal state, it's, it's rotating. So that's why, you know, first you don't really know what's going on, but it's very important to have a clear scientific thing for your consciousness. Some people like to see the clear frequencies, and but some people react more to this, in fact. Uh, eventually, after five minutes, they realize, oh, oh that's me, they, it's gestalt therapy, they, they realize... Seeing yourself, that's what's important for neurofeedback in art. That's basically why he has those interesting animations. Now we can take some questions. Okay, thank you, MetaMind Evolution, for uh, your very interesting talk. Um, so for questions, I would like to uh, call the <coughs> internet questions first, please. Yeah, we have uh, three questions, actually. One from White Rabbit. Quiet, please. If you're leaving, please be quiet mm -hmm. when you're leaving. Uh, White Rabbit is asking, how long in terms of battery life can a wireless uh, do-it-yourself setup last? Does a setup with one or ten electrodes, uh, electrodes consume much more power? 
It's, it's a 0.2 ampere per channel. And basically a standard uh, lithium-ion uh, smartphone battery will last you five to eight hours. But you, uh, it depends also, you know, it's 0.02 ampere current per channel. So the more channels you have, indeed, the amplifier needs more power. But you can, with two channels, you can do eight hours. And do-it-yourself means you can stick as many batteries to the headset as you want. You know, for example, this headset uh, is the latest MK3 prototype. You put small lithium batteries all around the thing, and I can get to, uh, to multiple days with two channels. So, so do it yourself, whatever you like. If you like more channels, put more batteries on it. But it's quite power efficient. Um. Okay, we have enough time for one more question. Uh, I will take a question from the internet again. Everybody who's in the house and has questions, feel free to contact the speakers afterwards. Thank you. FBGA Light asks, um, what is the bandwidth uh, within the brain in comparison to the bandwidth that uh, you get out of your signal? Well, I mean, the electrodes pick up, uh, you know, uh, you zoom out. It depends on the number of electrodes, but we can do 24-bit, uh, 1,000K sample rate, but uh, bandwidth uh, depends on the amounts of electrodes you have. And uh, yeah, that's basically it. Uh, the more electrodes you have, the more bandwidth. And the sample rate is usually enough to have the doubled and increased frequency, double of your of highest frequency you want to measure. So, and with, with Bluetooth, you get to some limitations, but with Wi-Fi and the new Spark Core, for example, new low-power, long-range Wi-Fi things, you, you can have uh, eventually hundreds of channels. There's no limitation. It's only what techno technology, transmission, wireless transmission is possible. And with the Vortex encoding, I think, yeah, you can, uh, the, the, once your head is full with electrodes, it's still going to work. Okay. There was one more question, maybe, or um, maybe not. Um, <laughs> yeah. We unfortunately Thank have you. to clear the room Thank for you. the Come next Thank you. Come down to talk. join us. Um, give another warm round of applause to our speakers, please. <laughs>